Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode in the Parenting with Impact podcast. I am so psyched today that Diane and I get to to hang out and have a fabulous conversation with our friend and colleague, Casey Dixon of Dixon Life Coaching. She is we've we've been playing in the same realm with you for a lot of years now. Um, We have been to a lot of conferences together (laughs) over the years and maybe hung out at a few, maybe a few after parties. Let's just call them after parties. parties. (laughs) Maybe just a few. And we have finally gotten Casey to agree to come on the podcast, y'all. So it's a big deal. We It's like a banner day. You can read all about her in the show notes. She's fascinating. Um, she founded Dixon Life Coaching. I think you're, you predate us as yeah, 18 years. Realm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and she supports uh, professionals, successful professionals with ADHD. And so we really wanted to, to invite her to the show to talk about adult managing adult ADHD. And, you know, there's so much emphasis or or tendency in the ADHD space to talk about the deficit and the problems and the, you know, and the truth is that a ton of people with ADHD, our present company included, are super successful. That doesn't mean it's not hard and challenging, but you can be uber successful, hyper successful with ADHD. And so we adults with, with ADHD who are kicking ass in the world, thank you very much, need support too, right? And so we thought it'd be great to have Casey come in and have a conversation with us. So Casey, it probably makes sense for you to start with a little bit of the backstory. How did you end up doing what you're doing? Oh, that's a a convoluted tale. But um, I think the short version is that um, growing up, I've told Elaine this, I'm sure you too, Diane, but I'm I was raised ADHD. <laughs> That's how I tell it. Nobody in my family has a diagnosis, but that was definitely part of the picture. Uh, family of artists. And we sort of just, you know, went with whatever came up for the day, but there wasn't a lot of consistency or structure. Those things that seemed to be missing, awareness of time. <laughs> Uh, you were raised undiagnosed, untreated ADHD. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Let's part. be clear. Let's uh, be maybe accommodated for, but not actually treated. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, my goal in life at that point was just to follow my curiosity. And that led me into a very convoluted career of doing just that. So it started out with a degree in philosophy. And then, well, I went to art school first and then a degree in philosophy. And I went to six different universities. Um, But I ended up being a part of some really cutting edge educational initiatives. Yeah. And um, that got me locked into the 
thinking about how people think and how people learn and really paying attention to, I don't know, this sort of people who are underserved cognitively. And that's my jam. Well, didn't you run a school for a while? I did. I I was in, uh, I ran a school for kids with learning disabilities and ADHD for about 12 years before I became a coach. And when they made, I worked, I started there as a tutor and then I became the head of school and I did that for three years, but that was not my jam. (laughs) (laughs) I really loved the educational part of it, but running the school itself was not something that was really fulfilling to me. But when they gave me that job and I got promoted to that job, I said, oh my goodness, you know, I don't know what to do from a leadership perspective. Um, So I went to an executive coach and he helped me to find my own voice and to figure out what I wanted to be known for in that space and to be clear about my priorities and how I wanted to set boundaries around my work and my home life. And what I, what came out of that, interestingly enough, was, yes, I got better at being the head of school, but I also realized that that's, that's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to her one day, um, I really want to do what you do, but for my people, the mm-hmm. people in this ADHD learning disability space. And so she said, you could totally do that. And so in 2005, I started to do my coach's training. Did you think you were going to work with kids because you were working in a school environment? I did at first, but what I realized, the other thing that I realized through coaching is I ran an adult um, after school program for adults with learning disabilities and ADHD while I was at that school. And that was the thing that I enjoyed the most. And I couldn't wait for that program to start every time it came around. And so when I started Dixon Life Coaching, I did start working with kids and college students and adults. It was sort of like anybody with ADHD, come on in. Um, And over the years that has changed and my focus has been sort of narrowed and honed to be high achievers with ADHD. So what is it about high achievers that, that that is your jam? And and specifically, you work with lawyers and professors and and other high achievers, but like, you know, people who are really thinking, actively using their brains as part of their work, right? And I think this goes back to sort of where my natural curiosity leads me. When we look for our ideal client, I think we need to look in the mirror a little bit. And Mm -hmm. part of that is that I, you know, I'm into thinking and I'm into learning about thinking and how thinking works and how learning works. And I resonate with people who are like that. And everybody that I work with is some sort of a knowledge worker who thinks for a living. Also, I think that I um, am attracted to working with people who are from this sort of underserved, but cognitively underserved population. And within the ADHD community, when I first started this, people who were, like you said, really successful on the outside. They sort Mm -hmm. of look like they beat all of the adult predicted outcomes for ADHD were not being served at all. They weren't even really being recognized. They were being, the door was being shut in their face. Like you can't have ADHD. You're way too successful. You're way too smart. And what I learned is that is absolutely untrue. Well, what, I, what I'm curious about is even just that language, cognitively underserved. So what yeah, you just described true. is that, that people were being dismissed 
they were struggling, but they were being dismissed. And Elaine, I know you, you tell the story about when you're growing up as well. It's a sort of, you're so smart. You, what's your problem? You know, you don't really have a problem. You're so smart. Is that what you mean? Casey? Well, and I didn't believe I was, I thought it yeah. was a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think that my clients believe that they're so smart is a lie. It's some sort of dumb luck that they ended up with a JD and can practice law. <laughs> Right. But at the same time, when they start to think about, well, obviously it's obvious to them, their intuition and the, is telling them you're struggling really a lot more than what you're witnessing others in your same field struggling. So then they start to think, well, something is wrong or something is bad. And because ADHD was not offered as a potential sort of here's a term that will lead to strategies and techniques and treatment, the diagnosis wasn't available to them, then it just becomes this really burdensome question mark. Mm -hmm. Um, What is wrong with me and why can't I do it as easily and seamlessly and consistently as my peers? So the imposter syndrome that comes with that is just profound. And, And I remember seeing that when I was in school, Um, with kids as well. I mean, they know that they're struggling and the really, really super bright love to learn ones are struggling just as much as all of the other ones. Mm -hmm. So I just saw, you know, for me, it's, it's like a double-edged sword. It's like, you know, oh, I'm really, really smart, but I'm not smart at all. I, I, there's something wrong with me, but there's nothing wrong with me. They, they can't yeah. figure out where paradoxically, I always say it's a paradox when you live as a higher achiever with ADHD, because neither of those seems right. It's like this impossible choice between I have a diagnosable condition that can be treated and I can do something about it. And I'm already highly successful and I've got these coping mechanisms that work quote unquote. So I'm just going to those. Yeah. Well, and so many, so many things come up that paradox of being a high achiever with ADHD, right? That's really what I think this is about is that I got it. I don't got it. Mm -hmm. I can do it. I can't do it. And the notion that there is something, there's an explanation for what's making it hard and you can actually learn enough to help make it not so hard. It's not like you make it go away. You don't eliminate it. But so let's talk about that because a lot of times parents will come to us when their kids are diagnosed and they begin to start realizing they probably could, should need to be diagnosed or there's something going on. Right. And then they, it's like, do I get a diagnosis? Do I not? What do I do about it? Let's, let's talk about what does, ADHD treatment look like for adults as distinct? Because kids, we kind of know what the process is. What's it look like for adults? Well, I mean, I think it's very individualized because, well, it's hard to find good, effective services that are ADHD specific. Yeah. Um, and that's true from going to your, you know, your doctor to see about a diagnosis, talking to your therapist, going to a clinician or a psychiatrist, finding coaching that's appropriate, you know, the right match for you. Medication is part of the treatment, usually protocol, but that can be very difficult um, for many adults because again, you're not finding a lot of practitioners who are adept at prescribing in that field um, for adults. 
most of the medication has been designed with kids in mind. And so, for example, my lawyers who are, <laughs> I work with are, you know, if they take their extended release Adderall in the morning, that sucker is gone by one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so, and they still have a full day of work ahead of them because they're working really long. They have this incredibly high, ex, you know, demanding work situation and their energy is just gone. And then the dysregulation comes out and they're like, why can't I get anything done in the afternoon? Well, because your medication's not there to support you. So I think finding the right person in terms of support and treatment is crucial. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, not everybody knows very much about ADHD treatment and within that sphere, adults and within that sphere, women, adults in particular. So there's a lot going on there. Well, you know, it's really interesting. There's this assumption that everybody in the medical field and everybody in the therapy field and everybody in the education field understands ADHD because they're the ones dealing with people with ADHD. And it's just not true. Yeah. Well, I think about the statistic we learned recently. It's like 98% of, was it psychiatry programs don't even talk about Yeah. 93. It was a a huge number. Huge number. Don't even talk about it. And remember that 50% of of pediatricians or about 50% of pediatricians are educated. Well, and remember that adult ADHD is, is a new on the scene. ADHD has been around for a really, really long time, but adult ADHD is a new on the scene sort of thing, right? 2013. It wasn't in the DSM until 2013. Even then they were sort of suggesting, oh, most of us grow out of it anyway. So You know, it's not, it's a very small percentage of the kiddos that grow into adults who still have ADHD. And every time I look at the statistics on that, that percentage of people who still have ADHD as part of their impactful neurology exists into adulthood in a much larger percentage. Yeah. Well, keep it yeah. well and part of that is that it's the, it's the level of impairment, right? It's the right. sort of, that's what the way that you diagnose ADHD. It's like, it gets in the way in two areas of your life. And if you're a high achiever and you, you know, you're 25, 30, 40 years old, you've developed coping mechanisms. You've developed strategies to figure out how to do it. It's like, it's not getting in the way you're figuring it out, but you're secretly inside struggling mightily. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, how heavy of a lift is it for you mm-hmm. is one of the questions. And I, I have a group of lawyers that I work with. It's called the focus lawyer. And there are 10 people in that group right now. And um, I asked them, okay, how many people raise your hand if you were diagnosed later than when you were 35 and Mm. every single person in there raised their hand. Yeah. This is what I'm seeing. And so you think about these individuals when they were little kids, not getting what they needed when they needed it. And so now they're finally, they had some somewhere along the line, they developed agency to go out, you know, I can, that sort of, I can muscle in their brain is like, I can go to law school. I can, you know, become a lawyer. I can look like I've got it all figured out on the outside. But when you look under the hood, there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of self-doubt. Imposter syndrome is a big thing. They even doubt it after they get a diagnosis because- yeah. They were taught to know that can't be. That can't be. 
So, well, the parts of this I've is noticed, what is the, oh, go ahead, sorry. Well, just, just on that, because I, I think this is important to say, because I was diagnosed, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, whatever it was now, it's been a while. And I've done a lot of treatment and I've done, I've taken very low doses of medication, but I do take medication and I've done a lot of coaching. And for the, for about 10 years, every time I went to take that pill every morning, I would look at it and go, do I really need this? And even though I'm in this realm and I do this work and I really understand it better than the average bear, Mm -hmm. I was still doubting whether I needed it and whether I should do it. And is this a crutch and should and I like, and recently I missed it for a day. I was like, that's why I was so irritable (laughs) with my husband all afternoon. You know, like it's not, it rounds the corners and it makes it possible for me to be successful without being a witch and without being difficult and without being overwhelmed. Right. But I doubted it for at least a dozen years, whether I even deserved, like whether I was, at one point I went back to my evaluation to make sure that I was really diagnosed because I wasn't sure. Well, I'm sorry, Diane, but this is such an example of that really like super thoughtful, you're attacking that treatment with your intellect. Do I really need I'm negotiating all the time and scrutinizing myself, right? As to what do I need? How do I need it? When do I need it? What's right for me? And this is part of that overthinking thing that high achievers with ADHD do. And they are so so strong at negotiating and talking themselves into and out of things that you've been around in those choice points. Should I take it or not take it for 10 years, you know, and waste a lot of cognitive energy on something like that. And this is, you know, something that happens all the time because they have these great coping mechanisms and they think, well, if I just, which is one of my trigger words. If I just yep, do this, I if I just do that, then maybe I won't need treatment and maybe I don't really have ADHD. Right. Maybe I can then get off the medicine as if somehow it's it's an evil. Yeah. Or there's something wrong with me because I take medicine. Well, one of the things that just in terms of your going back to your question for treatment, I think a lot of my clients have, will bypass treatment as a word and as a concept. And they'll just say, okay, I just, and I heard this this morning from one of the attorneys in my group, my strategy at that time, 12 years ago was to quit everything that could possibly be a distraction, which was sleep, exercise, going to choir practice, right? spending time with my family. Everything that makes me a human being. We were going to get rid of the human being in me, spending time with friends. Like none of that stuff can happen. Cleaning so my house. So yeah. I can really, really crush it at work. And once I get that perfected by working on it, then I can start to do all the things that are human and that I aspire to. And it was such a beautiful moment of insight for her because she said to me this morning, I just realized that I went about it backwards. Mm -hmm. And that's a moment of insight that will lead to well-being, that will lead to productivity instead of just pseudo productivity. Yeah. What you're describing in here is like this sort of, yes, we all know that adults with ADHD have executive function challenges and we got to figure out how to accommodate those. What you're describing though, Casey, is like, how do I manage my mind 
to get my head around what's going on for me. And then the third layer, which we haven't even talked about, is the emotional shame, guilt, blame, blah, that shows up underneath it because we've been trying to rationalize it and figure it out for so many years. So it's it's not, I mean, it's pretty complicated. It's so complicated. And I think that one of the things that coaching can help with as far as treatment goes is to sort that out a bit. Mm-hmm. Look at the complexity together with a partner who is your coach and say, how can we sort of organize this, observe it deeply so that you can get to something that is and this, you know, that is more simple, that's an easier reach. We can't just say, here's a giant complex mess of a problem. Good luck with that. <laughs> right? We have to take it on into, into, you know, help them to parse through it, to organize it, to think about it um, so that there is something that they can do because, you know, as we all know, having ADHD or other neurodiversity or divergences is not your fault, but that doesn't mean there's nothing you can do about it. Well, and it strikes me that in order to be successful in high achieving, we have to learn how to problem solve and we have to learn how to tackle something step by step. And in, like we learn how to do it, but we don't always learn how to apply it to ourselves. That's right. Or it's- we learned how to do it by pushing through. Yeah. Um, and we're exhausted. Yeah. yeah. That's the key word is that when clients come to me or, you know, one of my coaches, it's like, they're just exhausted. Yeah. And no wonder, you know, they're a, they're masking all the time, which is so exhausting. I had a, another lawyer tell me the other day, there's nothing more exhausting than spending all day avoiding work. <laughs> it's so true. It's just like, yep, you nailed it. So we have to talk about energy and we have to talk about being human again and not just being this constantly scrutinizing, overworking, overthinking, overanalyzing brain. But how do you bring the human back in? Because as you guys know, the things that we do as human beings are essential for ADHD well-being, you know, you, more so than for neurotypical people. A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, there's another paradox, right? In order to manage your ADHD, you have to be intentional about how you're managing yourself, which is inherently the thing that is hard for you when you have ADHD. And then that ties into the whole shame and spain, shame and, you know, guilt and blame cycle. Yeah. Right. Well, and undiagnosed, cause, oh, go ahead. undiagnosed and untreated ADHD, when you come up with solutions that work, Hey, I'm successful. You know, I make a lot of money, have a powerful job. I'm married. I've got kids. I'm sort of managing on the outside, my health. I care about my money, all these things that are adult outcomes. And yet you're just torn up inside and exhausted you're, some of the solutions, there's my time timer. Some of the solutions that work for you are actually doing more harm than good, but yeah. you learn to rely on them and don't have other options. And so that's the other thing that I want to say to everybody who is working with people who have ADHD is you need to have other options. You know, you can't stop blaming yourself or whoever it is that you're working with and start blaming the solutions and look for other options. Yeah. I love that. So we need to need to start wrapping up the conversation. How can people find out more about you? 
Well, they can go to the website, which is dixonlifecoaching.com. That's D-I-X-O-N lifecoaching.com. I'm on the social medias too, but you know, I really (laughs) (laughs) will have the link in the show notes for everybody to be able to do that. Yeah. So dixonlifecoaching.com and you do, um, you run, you do private coaching and do groups, a lot of groups for adults with, with have, yeah, focused lawyer group, a focused professor group and a group for other knowledge workers called performance powerhouse. We also, I have a legal mastery intensive, but that's for clients who've been around for a long time and on some of the the long-term coaching. Um, We do a lot of one-on-one coaching and we have Live Well ADHD, which is an online course that's bundled with a live component because I wouldn't say to anybody with ADHD, here's your online course, bye, go do it um, without expecting them to forget about it. So there are three live drop-in accountability calls weekly and then a six-week live training that goes with that online course. Oh, and 160 page workbook. But what I'm trying to do there is this thing about this complexity and simplicity thing that we were talking about. It's like, yeah, when, but here, teach somebody how to live well with ADHD as an adult. That feels overwhelmingly complex, mm-hmm. but I feel really excited about, okay, I think what we've done, what I've been able to do because I've been doing this for so long is to say, can, how do we simplify that into six modules. Right. <laughs> you know, I know you guys have done the same thing with sanity school and some of your other programs. Like how do you communicate that in a way that works? Yeah. Which make is the easy, key, right. Um, and I also just want to make a plug. Those of you who, who are um, uh, longtime listeners of the podcast, you've heard us do a success story podcast with Melanie Sabasensky, yeah. who is one of the uh, coaches at Dixon life coaching. Yep. Um, and so through through the work that 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 she did with us and her own coach training and everything else um, is now doing programming and coaching. for yeah, she, she runs the focused professor and is amazing at it. So, yeah. So we'll put a link to that podcast episode in here as well. So Casey, as we close, what either take us back to something and, and help us to bottom line it or, or bring in something we haven't cover that you want to make sure we don't miss? I think that the most important message for real high achieving professionals who have ADHD as part of their picture or as part of their family picture is just to, you know, don't forget about yourself. (laughs) You know, it's not just about the work product and the demands that you're meeting in the world. In order to do that stuff and be healthy in the long term and be good at it, in the way that you intend to be good at it and to meet your own expectations. You've just got to put yourself first. And I know how hard that is. It's counterintuitive. Again, it's counterintuitive, just like everything else that we talked about. It's another paradox in order for me to meet the needs of my life. I need to put myself first and not the needs of my life. Yeah. Mm. Not needs of my life. It's a hard one. Yeah really, really challenging, but so worth it when you can make it through that journey. And the other thing I think that people need to know, and you and I, the three of us have this incredible privilege, right? Where we can see how this journey comes out for people after they've doing the coaching and they're doing the training and they come in at the beginning and they feel like this is, this is my last ditch effort, but I still don't think it's going to work but they're going to try. 
And at the end, it's like, oh, wow, hey, this is actually working. My life is easier. It's calmer. I feel healthier. I'm happier. I'm more productive. I have better relationships. I mean, all the things. And so it's hard because we've seen it, but right. it is, I, I want to communicate to people, you have faith in a way that if you do this kind of work and get the treatment and support that you need, it really can work in a powerful lasting way that sticks around. So you can well, still I, be a high achiever and actually enjoy your life. Exactly. <laughs> a high achiever with ADHD. Imagine. <laughs> well, and we probably should have you come back, Casey, and talk about how to how to get the high achieving ADHD or in your life to get to this place because you your high achieving ADHD or may not be listening to this podcast. <laughs> That's, That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point. Agreed. All right, my friends, anything else? So, so Casey, do you have a favorite quote or motto you want to share? Well, interestingly enough, I have one on my computer monitor. I don't have a lot of stuff here, but I have one little quote that's taped down here. And this is so funny because we ended up going there where this quote lives. So it's Oliver Wendell Holmes. Everybody's a lot of people are familiar with this, but it's, you know, I wouldn't give a fig for the simplicity on this side of complexity, but I would give my life for the simplicity on the other side of complexity. So we have to work through the complexity to get to the meat of the matter. And ultimately to the simplicity. Yep. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And if you can't, if you didn't know what a philosopher was, you'd now do. <laughs> Wait, Casey or Oliver Wendell Holmes? Like, well. <laughs> it's both. It's both. well, I mean, you know, this is why, why we've gotten along so well. What is, what was it you said is I'm into thinking. Yeah. yeah right. Oh. And people who are knowledge workers for a living. Right. Yeah. And that's you think a lot and to, to really manage ADHD effectively, it you got to raise your self-awareness that metacognition you got to think about how you're thinking about things yeah in a big and way. It, it's profoundly impactful when you do yeah right? awesome so, casey thank you so much this is yeah. been delightful to talk to you and to get a sense of what you're doing in the world and and just thank you for that and um as we wrap up those of you who are listening thanks for what you're doing for yourself and for your for your kids and, and I'm going to go back to and for yourself, because if you're listening to this, chances are you're an adult who's impacted in some way by, by executive function or ADHD. And just the reminder, you're not alone, that there's a lot you can do to get your head around it, to understand it, to manage it. We really, all of us stand for reaching out and getting the support you need. You don't have to do this alone. So ask for help, model that for your kids. Um, Let us know how we can support you. Follow some of the links in the show notes and we'll see you on the next conversation. Thanks everybody. everybody. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast.
Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.